Welcome to Russ Off the Cuff. Um, I hope that if you're listening to the whole series on the Lost Art of Friendship, I hope you're enjoying it. This particular episode is a few thoughts about teens. I'm a teen parent. I have a lot of friends who are teen parents, and um, my teen life was interesting. And whenever I talk to people who are older and I talk about their teen life, I find that we're often shaped by it. And the funny thing is I think midlife crisis is like adult adolescence a little bit. (laughs) But I think we can all learn a lot from teen life. But I think also we need to be aware of teens and we need to be able to talk to teens. And those who work with teens need to think about these few thoughts about teens. You want to get into it? You want to get going on it? I've been listening to some good music lately, by the way. You know, I I quoted this guy, Sam Henshaw, in my uh, article. He's becoming one of my favorites. Good music. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, And one day I'm going to do a little little podcast, talk about music. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it, on Russ Off the Cuff? Thank you for listening to Russ Off the Cuff, taking your time. I better get into this because you're busy. You got a lot of things to do. Maybe fold that laundry, get that laundry done. You know, go to work, drive to work. You want me to get it in right before you get there. I'm trying. I'm trying to get it in there. Teenagers, a few thoughts about teens. Teenagers are experiencing a punishing loneliness during this pandemic. This experience is chronicled by Ellen McCarthy in an article called The Loneliness of an Interrupted Adolescence. Here's a quote. The pandemic has punished people of all ages. Overwhelming parents, isolating grandparents, shortchanging kids. But the emotional fallout for teenagers has been uniquely brutal. If you're a parent, you're feeling that, right? At just the age when they are biologically predisposed to seek independence from their families, teens have been trapped at home. Friends, that's what it says, friends who take on paramount importance during adolescence are largely out of reach, accessible mostly by social media, which brings its own mix of satisfying and toxic elements. What teens are experiencing, in my view, is what's worth examining right now. For all of us, not just for teens. According to Ken Duckworth of the National Alliance of Mental Health, quote, one in five Americans suffered from some sort of mental illness before the pandemic, and that number is now two in five. That's from an article called Pandemic Pushes Mental Health to the Breaking Point, quoting Ken Duckworth. One in five Americans suffered from some sort of mental illness before the pandemic, and that number is now two in five. It's doubled, which means the teen experience is reflective of an emotional distress we're all experiencing. A June survey by the Centers for Disease Control found that a staggering 26% of 18 to 24-year-olds reported having serious suicidal thoughts in the past 30 days. 26% of 18 to 24-year-olds reported having serious suicidal thoughts in the past 30 days compared with 16% of 25 to 44-year-olds and less than 4% of people aged 45 and older. Basically, the teen age, 18 to 24 age, is substantially, incredibly higher than anyone else for suicidal thoughts. And mental health visits to emergency rooms, listen to this, this is intense. And mental health visits to emergency rooms by 12 to 17 year olds increased 31% in 2020 compared with the previous year. Increased 31% on top of the visits were already being made. The emotional health of teens is an indicator of a societal problem. As the Kaiser Family Foundation report found, during the pandemic, about four in 10 adults in the U.S. have reported symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder, a share that has been largely consistent. It's up from one in 10 adults who reported these symptoms from January to June 2019. So what has the pandemic done for all people in the pandemic, adults? We've gone from I just knocked something over there. Hope you didn't hear that. If you did, it's going to stay on because it's Russ off the cuff. 
I shouldn't be laughing during this. I'm not actually laughing. It's very serious. I've been over this a lot. But we don't want to be too overwhelmed because we've got an answer. Friendships. Friendships and relationships can solve this problem. It's just that we don't work on it enough. We don't talk about it enough. During the pandemic, about 4 in 10 adults in the U.S. are reporting symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder, a share that has been largely consistent. It's up from 1 in 10 adults who reported these symptoms from January to June 2019. So that's four times more than the number of people who were reporting anxiety or depressive disorder before the pandemic. In addition to anxiety and depressive disorder, listen to this, 36% report difficulty sleeping, 32% difficulty eating, 12% increase in alcohol consumption or substance abuse, and another 12% worsening of chronic conditions. It's probably like I, I feel some knee things, some hip things, and a lot of it's because we're just not moving as much as we used to. We may not all be, not all be therapists. We may not all be therapists, but any of us can become a friend. And right now there's an urgent need for friendship. I believe that if we just have friends, I don't think I just believe it, but if you've listened to the previous episodes, friendship could decrease a lot of this. In a lot of ways, we all need to talk. The type of friendship capable of reducing the loneliness and emotional distress of life described is described in my article by the, the answers to seven questions that I pick out that are based on my reflections from a William Derezovitz. De, De I had his name down, Derezovitz, Derezovitz. Do you like that? I can't get the name. I'm going to leave that in there because it's ridiculous that I can't get that name. I forgot how to pronounce it, William Derezovitz. Essay. He has an essay called The Death of Friendship. And I took it and I've read it and I looked at it and studied it and came up with seven questions. And I'll answer those in another episode, but they're about the loneliness epidemic. I don't think the loneliness epidemic numbers are depressing. I think they're revealing. And what they reveal is the important need we have to be able to attack loneliness and to really attack it specifically with teenagers, making sure that we as parents and those who work with teens are serious about making sure teens not only have people they hang out with, but people they talk to. People in being, being involved in a lot of activity, being a lot of achievement in sports can help, but it doesn't build the substantial friendship. It doesn't get back to something I talked about in an earlier episode, that to build friendships, we've got to make friends, we've got to sustain friends, and then we've got to grow friendships. A lot of kids lose their friends from freshman year to senior year because they grow apart because they start having different interests and they develop at a different rate. Those who have learning challenges like dyslexia or learning disabilities that prevent them from focusing ADHD or uh, any assortment, maybe autism or a, a special need, they can get left behind. Those who maybe don't play sports or don't achieve well can feel embarrassed and get left behind. These lonely kids are going to be the ones that end up in ERs. These lonely kids are going to be the ones that end up overwhelmed by a diagnosis. Getting a diagnosis is not the issue. It's being alone and getting a diagnosis. So there's seven questions. What's the difference between friendship and distraction? We're going to talk about that in the, in the final episode of our series. Have we forgotten what it means to be friends? Question number three, do we accept as truth that friendship is rare? Question number four, what are the qualities of character necessary to build friendships? Question number five, what does a real friendship look and feel like? Question number six, how do we increase the depth of our friendships? And finally, question number seven, are you willing to invest in building quality friendships? 
I know we all think we have friends, but if you've been listening to this episode, I think you should hopefully at least be moved to have reflected on the fact that maybe we don't have as good of friendships as we think we do. And that doesn't mean we need to be negative. I'm not negative. And I'm not, I'm not pessimistic. I'm optimistic. And I'm optimistic because I've seen people, I've seen myself change when my friendships became more substantial. They had more de- emotional depth, more spiritual depth. When I got the emotional education I needed to live the emotional life I needed to live and be more satisfied and fulfilled. And so even though those numbers about loneliness were, 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 can be brutally disappointing and create incredible fear, be sure of this. Um, friendship's the answer. Thanks for paying attention, giving me your time, giving me your focus. And I hope you'll be tolerant of the fact that there are things that I don't know. I'm just putting some things out there. But one thing I'm certain of, every single human being on earth needs to be loved by somebody. And that's a friend. And hopefully we can have many. And hopefully this article set will produce many. Hope you're having a incredible uh, time uh, seeing the more positive events take place uh, with the pandemic and not getting overwhelmed by the negativity that may be out there to make us think we're not going to ever get out of this thing. This is Russ Off the Cuff. You can find the whole article, The Lost Art of Friendship, on leaddiff.com. And again, I can't tell you how much it means to me that you listen and that you tolerate my mistakes and me never editing this as I try to learn how to communicate and hopefully inspire you to learn about some things maybe you haven't had the time to study out, reflect on, or do the research on. Thanks for listening.